game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors C Chris Allen and A A Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, and welcome back. I am Chris Allen, the co host of the Dynasty Owner's Manual podcast. And I'm Adam Wildy, the other co-host of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. And I'll get us started with the foreword. This foreword is going to be very fun because Chris and I are new members of the DLF video community. Dwight, one of our guests today, is a new writer for the DLF community. And the four of us, including Andrew Harbaugh, the other co-host of Devi Owners Manual, which is part of the Dynasty Owner Manual family of pods, is all going to be in the DLF family of pods. So lots of DLF stuff going on. Today, we're mock drafting. So the four of us, myself, Chris, Dwight, Andrew, are all going to be doing a mock draft today. Now, we're going to kind of do it in Dynasty Owner's Manual style, where we're going to go through the process. At least for the first time we go through the four of us, we'll hit really hard on the process. Um, I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got the first pick overall, luckily, so it's pretty easy for me. I'll go ahead and kick us off by saying my process is kind of I'm going to take the best player available no matter what I don't care what my team needs whatsoever here's the reason for that if you say you need a running back so you take say David Montgomery over AJ Brown not my rankings just throwing some names out there because you needed a running back all these players are so compact right now but they're going to be scattered all over the ADP map here in the next few months when they start playing football. So if you drafted for position, even though that you knew AJ Brown was better than a better prospect than David Montgomery, you can't go ahead and trade AJ Brown for a better running back, which is what you should have done. So do your best, do your best with your rankings and draft the best player available. Now, when I draft Nikhil Harry and I don't need a wide receiver, I'm stacked at wide receiver. You know, one team I have, DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, Christian Kirk, I've got all those young guys. Well, I don't really need Nikhil. I don't really need another young prospect at wide receiver. So what I'm going to do is let Nikhil hit early maybe or let somebody fall in love with him when he's killing in the preseason and then go ahead and move him for a running back, maybe a better running back than who was available. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is take Nikhil Harry first overall – I, th I think he's the whole package. I think he's the safest pick. I think he's the best pick. The guy 6'2", 228, great size. We talked about how am amazing uh, DK Metcalf is physically, but really if you look at Nikhil Harry, he's just as impressive. He also put up 27 reps, so uh, DK and Nikhil tied the bench press. Uh, Nikhil ran a 4.53, so that's slower than DK Metcalf, but I think that his route tree is just so much more refined. So I th I said that I would take Nikhil 101 on any team. 
I don't know if that's the case now because these other guys are a lot closer. And if he lands on the Ravens, I don't think he fits well. But for most teams, Nikhil's my 101. So I'm going to lock that in. And Dwight, you're on the clock, my man. Hey, hey, hey. Like it. Um, he, yeah, that was a, a good pick there. He's been 101 for a lot of people for a long time. Uh, as far as my process, um, I really like to watch the tape. I like to, after I watch the tape, jot down some notes, and I like to read what other analysts are saying. Um, I, I, I read almost everything I can get my hands on. Um, I like to see what other people are saying. To verif- it's nice to me to verify what I see because I'm not a professional scout, but I like to, I always like to try to watch first and get my own opinion first. And then as far as team construction, I, I agree with best player available. Um, this year's draft's kind of tricky. It's one of the harder ones for that. Like I feel like any of the top seven or eight guys could be the best player available, especially depending on uh, landing spot. So this, this draft is really tricky. It's been tricky for me. I feel like I can shuffle my rookie rankings almost every day and, and just have a totally different opinion every single time. So it's it's been a tricky process for me this year. Um, can I take a defensive player? No, I'm no, just kidding. Not IDP. This is not IDP. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> right. I'm going to take Nick Bosa because I'm like, don't pick Kerry. All right, anyways. <laughs> as far as um, this is straight, like I said, it's tricky. I, I could go any direction here. And I'm just going to go with Josh Jacobs. I, I like that the running backs are ultimately hard, you know, more valuable. And I think he's one of the very few true three down backs in this class. I love what I watch. I know I was talking to Andrew earlier and he's was, was getting kind of crucified on the podcast before about having Josh Jacobs high, you know, not having the experience, not having the carries, you know, how could he not beat out, you know, but Alabama's got at any point three to four or five star running backs, you know? So, I mean, it's not like he's competing with scrubs. He's competing with guys that are, almost as talented as he is. And when they needed a running back this year in the college football championship series, it was Josh Jacobs and he balled out against some really good defenses. So I really like what I've seen. I think he's the only really true three down back, maybe not the only, but probably the best option for a three down back. So I'm going to lock it in with Josh Jacobs here. Good deal. That's my running back one as well. He's very close to Montgomery. That puts you on the clock, Andrew. So I'm going to go, for the record, if we're going best player available with your strategy, Adam. Oh, do uh, your strategy. You don't have to take mine. No, I know. I'm just saying. Uh, if we were, I'd be taking Noah Fan or TJ. I knew you were going to say that. That's because they're the best players I knew it in this was draft. Coming. That does not mean they're the best fantasy players in this draft. <laughs> well, maybe we'll say most valuable player available then, because that's what I definitely mean. I, I know. Mean, I'm just yeah. giving you a Whoever I can trade for the best veteran. It's who I want to draft. Right. Yeah, the last time all four of us were in a chat room, Andrew said he would take Fant 101. So. That is true. Oh my should hold you to that. <laughs> Me and Ryan had to try to try to jump on him. Ryan said, please do not do that. That's all he said. <laughs> um. Anyway, if we're going to go, I, I think the receivers in this draft, and as far as my process goes too, I like to watch a lot of tape. Nothing against the analytics. I just... I think that's thinking too much and paralysis by analysis at times. Um, but for me, I like to look and see what I have on tape. That's partially why, and I, he's not my pick, but just giving an example, I'm still not entirely out on Elijah Holyfield. Is he still running his 40? Probably. And he's probably still in Indianapolis running it at the same time. <laughs> Nevertheless, based on his tape, I still like him a little bit. But regardless, um, I'm a big tape guy. I'm a big 
injury and workload type of guy. That's why I have Josh Jacobs so high on my rankings. He's my RB1. Doesn't even have 300 touches. Um, so he's going to come to the league very, very fresh. And then that's why I'm going to take I'm going to take a three here is Miles Sanders. He's my RB2 now. Um, he's a little bit more fresh than David Montgomery's going to be. Montgomery is the more versatile weapon, but I think Sanders is just the better runner. And when you're a running back, I feel like that's a little bit crucial to the whole process. And it's hot in here. Woo, hot. Yeah, that is like, at the 1.03. He's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I, and I got him his tape. I got him in the third round of the DHH rookie mock in January. So pretty proud exactly. of that. Oh, uh, right, right. Well, once the combine came around and then people are like, oh, well, I mean, maybe he was good after he played behind, you know, the best prospect to come out in our lifetime. He got a little recognition. But right. that's going to put Chris on the clock at four. Who you got, Chris? All right. So I definitely appreciate everybody's uh, approach. I do like the strategy discussion. And I and one of the things that I do want to kind of impress upon the people watching or listening uh, th- to this this episode is – I would not say that any particular process, uh, go with what you feel is the most comfortable. I mean, both Andrew and Dwight, like they're playing to their individual strengths. I mean, both of them uh, like going through tape because it allows them to visualize and kind of, uh, I mean, and rank the players based off of the traits that are that you can see on tape. And you can see that and kind of make it make a determination of the player's value based off of based off of those traits and characteristics that you see. Uh, for me, I think for most folks that, that follow me and have, have read some of my work know that uh, I'm more of an analytics-based person because uh, that's easier for me to understand. I can, I can compare and contrast players and their metrics and their production based off of the numbers. But I do agree with you, Andrew, in that when it comes to performing uh, analysis on college players, there are a ton of adjustments that have to be made because the level of competition is different. Uh, the way that the offenses are structured, they're completely different. Uh, the type of quarterback that a receiver is playing with is different. I mean, there's so many different things that you have to adjust for uh, depending on whose analysis that you're following. And unless you're doing it yourself, you can come up with two very different conclusions as to how a receiver or how a running back has been able to produce at the collegiate level versus how you get the analysis that's done at the NFL level. It's very much straightforward. Uh, but at least when I look at this particular class, um, I, I would say that when it comes to the wide receivers and running backs, and maybe you guys can disagree with me if you want, but I would say that uh, the wide receiver class, it just seems to be much more, I don't know, I'm not going to say it's it's front-loaded, but I would say there are my, many more receivers that I have to choose from that I could help benefit my team more so than running backs. Uh, I would say that over the past few years, like we've been somewhat spoiled when it comes to the running back position. I mean, if you think back to three years ago, we had Ezekiel Elliott. Two years ago, we had Leonard Fournette. And then last year, we had, just this past year, we had Saquon Barkley. So we've had these elite talents that have come into the league, and it's just like, oh, yeah, the running backs, I mean, they're back. I mean, but this class, we don't have that quote-unquote generational talent for everybody to make that stamp and say that's definitely the 101 without a question. So now I've been focusing more on wide receivers, and I'm trying to look at, for me personally, I would want to see a wide receiver that is more versatile, while I want to see what DK Metcalf can do. But all of those red flags that came with the agility drills, I was, if anything, his agent should have told him to just skip those drills. Like, he should not have done those. 
Like after the forty yard dash, he should just been like, "Okay, I'm out." Like just and then just I'll see you guys in Nashville. That's what should have happened. But regardless of that, uh, these for, for me since Nikhil Harry is already off the board, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, um, Hakeem Butler at at the one point oh four. Uh, I think that from his from his skill and what he's been able to put down on tape when he was at Iowa State and his size, his speed, I, I, I do think that his athleticism allows him to play multiple positions across the field. He's not just an a perimeter guy. I could see him playing in the slot. I can see him doing a lot of things for a team such that I could almost see him being, I mean, again, I would say that the, the Ravens would probably be one of the worst fantasy teams for a wide receiver to land on in their first year because there's so much uh, there's so much chaos I guess going on in that with that particular offense, but I do think that he could produce almost in any system or any offense that he would be able to be able to land on. So that's where at least for me, from what uh, Butler's been able to put down on tape and what he's shown uh, throughout this entire draft process, he he would be my he would I, for me it's. Close. I would still put Nikhil Harry as my number one wide receiver, but I would have Butler like right behind him at, at number two. Yeah, it's almost like we talk to each other, Chris. Um, I my wide receiver rankings are night and day from when we started, but it's basically just been DK dropping. Which we'll we'll get to DK. I mean, obviously he's a first rounder, but yeah. it's been just DK dropping because I've been loving the versatility of these guys. So I. You, you saw my reaction when you took yeah. Keem Butler. Yeah. I, I wanted to take him so bad, but yeah. um, that's that's a great pick, and I was slow to come around on him. Yeah, first snipe of the draft. <laughs> I actually considered him at two. I do like him a lot. I know there's hands issues, but, I mean, I would take two drop passes a day for, I mean, Mike Evans drops passes. Amari yeah. Cooper drops right. passes. Right. You know, I mean, it it doesn't bother me that much. He makes five catches a game that are just, you know, like amazing, awesome catches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's so big and, and just, yeah. I mean, he's, he's just, he creates such a mismatch on the outside. So, yeah. I, I do wonder though. And I guess you guys might need to remind me, but he's just so tall uh, and, you know, it, it always sounds great. I mean, the narrative is, is easy to connect. Like, oh, he's a big, tall, wide receiver, so that makes him a great red zone threat because that's what they said about Brandon Marshall and a bunch of other, like, big, tall, wide receivers. But have we really seen a wide receiver of his size that's been able to succeed like that in the NFL, like, either from the gate or, like, over an extended period of time? Like, I just can't think of a wide receiver that's been that tall that, that's it's- been able to do that. It's the way he succeeds is that tall because we've seen people that tall. I mean, I think AJ Green is six five, isn't he? Is he six five? May, we might have to look. He might be six three. But either way, we have tall receivers. But the thing is, like, so I watched Matt Waldman's boiler room on Hakeem Butler the other day, and I mean, if you just looked at Hakeem Butler from the waist down on some of his routes, you would think it's Stefan Diggs running these routes. But mm-hmm. the dude six five. You know, it's yeah. just so impressive to watch this guy run routes at six, five, because he should not be able to get in and out. I mean, give, give DK a break on some of his routes. I mean, he is huge and I will give him a break on some of his routes. I won't draft him as high because I don't think he can run those routes, but then you have somebody else who's obviously not as thick as DK Metcalf and Hakeem Butler, who's massive. And he's making these routes, you know, look like it's Jameson Crowder out there running them. It's just very impressive to watch. Yeah. Uh, 
he would have been my second pick overall, but it makes my pick very easily. Uh, I'll take A.J. Brown here. We've talked a lot about A.J. Brown. It looks like he's getting a lot of buzz around the NFL, too. I thought that it was going to be the DK show, and it looks like NFL teams are giving A.J. Brown the, the attention that we thought DK would be getting right now, and I love it. I think that's correct. Uh, A.J. Brown's smaller, obviously, six foot, but good frame at 226. Um, he ran a good – a pretty good 40 if I recall uh, I'll go ahead and pull that up right now but we talked about him landing with the Seahawks the reason we talked about him landing with the Seahawks is because the guy is so versatile and and his stop and go is what really stands out to me on film so when you have a guy like Russell Wilson uh, that can extend the plays I think AJ Brown is just going to be walk walk in day one wide receiver one on a team um, and absolutely make things happen. His 40 was 4.49, so okay. plenty, good, plenty good for his weight. Um, I think that's a pretty much a slam dunk, dunk pick at five for me, so that's going to put Dwight on the clock. Now, real quick on the A.J. Brown pick, that do you guys have any concerns about his, I guess from a, from a collegiate standpoint, his focus was mostly in the slot, wasn't it? I thought he was heavy into the slot, so is, your, is there any concern about his skills translating from the interior to the outside. He moved around pretty well. I mean, you got you guys can attest better from the Debbie perspective, but he moved around pretty well. He just didn't get much work on the left side because DK was pretty much 100%, but I'm yeah. pretty sure he played a good bit on the right outside, right, guys? Yeah, when he would go outside, that would, he would be opposite DK. No, I, I think, too, we've seen like with slot receivers, they can make a good fantasy career out of it. Look at Jarvis Landry. This year in Cleveland, he explored. They explored with him a little bit on the outside, but I mean, I think this year with Odell coming in, I think we might see him going back more in the slot a little bit and go back to his natural spot there. Mm-hmm. Um, can't not saying he can't go outside either, but I think AJ Brown's the same way. To quote Connor Rogers, just moved him to his wide receiver one. So to talk about Adam saying how the NFL is kind of getting the love for him, it's true. I've heard comps on AJ Brown to be like Juju Smith-Schuster, which is kind of, I think, a good one. I think that's the one I made for you guys when we first talked the first time way back on Dynasty Owner's Manual. So I think with Brown, he was just, again, like we talked about with Jacobs, not having that giant workload. I think it's because he was with an offense where you had uh, DeMarcus Lodge, DK Metcalf, Dawson Knox, and Jordan Wilkins the year before at running back. It was just a loaded old Miss offense. And their quarterback wasn't the most accurate or the best, and you play in the SEC, so it's going to be tough. And like we, I alluded to before, way back when we were talking the first time, um, I thought DK is the better receiver. I still think DK is the better receiver. The agility drills, to me, aren't everything. I think the flexibility is just something that's going to have to be worked on once you get with an NFL program. But I, I don't have any arguments with AJ Brown going here either. Now, quick on DK, and we'll get more into it. I don't want to get too into it before you guys draft him, but as far as the flexibility goes, I just wanted to put this in before we forget. Um, the guys over at Dynasty Dummies, Kyle Lebrecht, um, said on Dynasty Dummies that the earlier that you draft a guy, uh, the more you can expect them to work on the things like flexibility. So in that sense, I mean, if he can go early, a team's going to be more invested in him. And maybe they'll work on the things like flexibility, which is a big issue. So, um, and you know, some of the early teams you don't want them to go to um, because they're worse teams. 
But I think it's more important that he gets with a team, like Andrew said, that's going to work on things like his flexibility. And if he goes early enough and they put things around this guy, I might be more interested in moving him up the board a little as well. Yeah, I've joked with Dwight. I said, if I drafted him, I'm throwing him in hot yoga five days a week. <laughs> Doing whatever I can to set him up. That's the mental image that is, going, that is like burned into hey, like my mind why. now. That's what you want to see, Chris? That's yeah, what I'm here that, for. That is, <laughs> wow. At least he didn't say goat yoga. That's yeah. that's the new thing I heard. As long as it's yoga. <laughs> hot yoga. All right, All who's right, picking that- now? That means me at six, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let Andrew have his pick of his boys. I know he's got a couple coming up here. Actually, I'm gonna go with Noah Fant. I like um, many more leagues nowadays are becoming tight end premium, and I think the he the mismatch that he's gonna create. I hope he lands in a decent spot. There's some teams that could take him that scare me a little bit, but there's some that take he could go to that I would absolutely love. I think he's just as his raw metrics, his athletic ability. Um, he got overshadowed a little bit this year by TJ Hawkinson, but I think he's more of a mismatch and will be more of a receiving threat. Um, not not quite as complete as TJ as everybody knows at this point. So for me, it's pretty pretty easy. Especially, I mean, if I'm in tight end premium, I might even go higher than six on him. Um, he's that good of a talent, and he's been you know he was touted as one of the top tight end prospects that were going to come out of the last couple years and stuff so i absolutely love noah fant and i'm gonna take him at six here but uh before we move on to the next pick i want to sworn andrew was gonna want to talk about his boy oh yeah i know he's like bursting at the seams in order to he's not my number one tight end i never said he was my boy this time around but just a quick question to ever to everybody and i'm pretty sure this is a quick this is probably a quick and easy question so of course we're assuming that this is a uh, standard PPR type of league that we would be drafting, that we would be drafting these players onto our teams for. If this was super flex, it'd be Kyler Murray number one, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have the yeah. number one. I have an interesting situation that will be fun to talk to talk about on a future show. But J Mike's got the one hundred two in a league, so it's iffy. But it's going to be between Kyler and Nikhil, and okay. we've had back and forth. So. No, that's fair. That's that's fair. I just wanted to clarify that for the for right, folks right. listening. But Andrew, go ahead. Tell us about Noah Fan. Oh man, Dwight hit it on the head. My pick next isn't wasn't wasn't going to be Noah Fan even if he was there. But um, no, Noah Fan. Watching him, he's he's the receiver to what Hawkinson is as a blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, Fan is the fancy coach purse, whereas T.J. Hawkinson is Indiana Jones's satchel. Satchel, yes. <laughs> So I almost said sack, but I just knew that was going to be bad. <laughs> so, uh, no, I think it just all depends on where they land with those two. Um, if Fant goes somewhere like I, we talked about last night on Debbie Happy Hour, if Fant went to Green Bay, actually I think we talked about it afterwards now that I'm saying, but if he went to Green Bay, I thought that was exciting just because I think he's better than Jimmy Graham is, obviously, because he's healthier. Right. Um, but Dwight didn't like that idea. So it's really going to be about fit for him, uh-huh. whereas Fant can go anywhere in the first round. He's going to be the biggest hybrid pick where I think when rookie drafts come around, it's just going to be because of landing spot. Mm-hmm. Fant strikes me as a guy that can go to any team and get a role in the offense. Um, so I really just hope for a good offense. I don't know that I worry as much if he is 
covered by a veteran because you know tight ends take a while to develop anyways when you draft a tight end especially um these first round guys they they still take time to develop i mean last year we got nothing from gasecki and we might not for another two years and then he might be great because he's a great athlete so i don't know that i really worry that much i mean dallas goddard got a great fantasy production out of his rookie season and uh we thought he was good last year you know what i mean so it just depends it i don't think it matters too much if he is behind say a jimmy graham i just want him on an offense that heavily uses the tight end and and then i'll be excited and maybe move him up what's his blocking skills at i mean is he is is he known for being a good blocker or is he more of a move tight end no he's not the best blocker to move He's he's better than I think some give him credit for, but he's definitely not a, a very good blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. See, I don't, I don't think he's going to have that three year curve because he's not going to be used like that. He's not going to be right. asked to learn blocking schemes and things like that. He's going to take that Evan Ingram role right off right, the bat. Right. Uh, see. He's going to be a receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they can throw. There was times in Iowa where they would have Hawkinson a tight end, and they'd have Fanger out in the slot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, okay. He can play all over, but he's also not a wet paper towel. So yeah, no. no, I was thinking that maybe best case scenario, since they also need offensive line help and could use some work in the interior, would be like the Texans. But if you're telling me he's not all that great of a blocker, then that's probably not going to be all that useful. And that's well, they what have Dwight said last night. Though. Yeah, Dwight said that last night when I said Fant to go to Houston for Fitz yeah. in the AFC South. Yeah, so. I, can, I can see that. Mm-hmm. But okay, yeah. all right. So that puts you on the clock, Andrew. Who you got? I'm going to take my wide receiver one, Kelvin Harmon. I think he's the best route runner out of every one of them. Um, He doesn't have that it on anything as far as the speed. He doesn't have to make the crazy catches that Nikhil Harry does. He doesn't do a whole lot on special teams. But he just wins his routes, and he gets open. So, I mean, you talked about it earlier, Adam, with Stephon Diggs. I mean, he's made a pretty decent career out of just getting open. I wouldn't say Stephon Diggs is a burner or anything over the top like that. So, yeah, I would go Kelvin Harmon here just because I think, especially at this spot here, I think that's a pretty good value. Um, I thought about him with my first pick, but I figured with us, he'd be there later. So he's definitely somebody you could get middle to end around one that you could get some pretty decent production with, depending on where he goes. I think it's fair. Yeah, I don't don't mind that at all. So I've been waiting to kind of put this out there, but Kelvin Harmon to me is what – Carrion Johnson was to me last year. Uh, last year, what I did with Carrion Johnson is I dabbled in film review, like did a serious analysis on um, Carrion Johnson. I, I've always watched film, but last year is when I kind of really got into writing and I said, I'm going to actually take this seriously and try to do a real analysis. And I did it on Carrion Johnson. And what I found with Carrion Johnson is that he wasn't special at anything, but he did everything well. And I thought he would succeed in the NFL, which I think that he has to an extent so far because he's just going to do everything you need to do. And what we find sometimes is that guys in the NFL are trying to do too much, especially at the running back position. So I really valued that Carrion Johnson was the guy that was going to get you four yards almost no matter what. And I think that Kelvin Harmon is the wide receiver equivalent to that. I really appreciate Kelvin Harmon in that he's very fundamentally sound. He's not flashy, like Andrew said. He doesn't have really the really great catches on film. He's not really uh, – he's pretty physical, but he doesn't really have the highlight throwing people around either that I saw. Right. But he's just very fundamentally sound. I think that he's not – he's my wide receiver four 
sometimes wide receiver five. We'll see after the draft, but he's a guy that I'm going to feel very comfortable with. So I really like that pick for you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And that's going to put you on the clock, Chris. All right. So where so where are we at right now? So we'd be at we're at the eighth overall pick. Yep. Right now. All right. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the the big tall fast guy. I'm going to take DK Metcalf. The big tall fast guy. Because <laughs> that's what he does. That's what he is. And yeah. I think and honestly and I, I know I said this earlier that if he had not done the agility drills, it, like he'd be probably like much higher up on people's boards. Because I think the uh, what what were the comps that were immediately thrown out after his forty time? What was everyone talking about? Calvin, Calvin, uh, Calvin Johnson. Oh, oh. after the forty, not the shuttle. Tom Brady ran a forty. Yeah, (laughs) I I heard you go for the uh, shuttle comps because those are hilarious. Oh, those were really bad. Yeah, those were terrible. But I know after the forty time, yeah, people were trying to put him up there with some of the best. People were throwing out CJ. People were throwing out Julio. Uh, but then after the agility, that talk went away like so quickly. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still think that there's enough there right now to consider him for a for a high pick. Uh, for at, at the very least, I would I would can still consider him to be a first rounder because I think that his ability to separate using that athleticism is something that I think any team would want to try and build off of at this point in time. Uh, while I don't think in year one we can expect him to be as versatile as any of the receivers that have that we've discussed previously, I just don't see that being in his route tree or being in the, you know his uh, his toolkit. But moving forward, uh, if he's able to kind of learn how to how to bend a little bit and and really try and use some of that athleticism to to his uh, to his benefit, I mean we could really see some of the highs that we'd expected for players like. You know, peak Des Bryant, you know, something like that, where they can really just use that big body in order to in order to win. Now, the problem with that is, though, with players that aren't able to utilize the full route tree, their their careers in the in the NFL run like alarmingly short because they don't have that skill or that ability to separate or that nuance when it comes to route running that allows them to really stay on in the league, you know, far past their thirties. I mean, everybody saw that the uh, Des Bryant, uh, Demarius Thomas. I mean, some of those guys started to fall off, and it was it was fairly clear that those guys just they just didn't have it anymore. They just couldn't use their their bodies or their their actual athleticism in order to win. And but players like Antonio Brown, who I mean, who has all of that capability, they're still able to operate on the field at a high level at age thirty plus. So. While Metcalf, I think, should be able to be somebody that can produce on the field almost immediately, and I think it's and it might and for his case, it's going to have to be uh, landing spot dependent, right? Because if his biggest, uh, I guess, asset is his athleticism and his deep speed, he's going to need to be paired with a quarterback that can hit that type of throw. Um, I guess, yeah, again, worst case scenario, he winds up with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson's not too bad of a deep, oh, deep ball passer. Yeah. I mean, so I mean that could work out. I mean, it's not it's not the best. Yeah, so I mean, so there are positives. I mean, or I guess maybe even the worst case scenario would be like the Bills draft him, and I guess Josh Allen has a deep target to throw to another one, along with John Brown, and yeah. So I mean, there there are I guess paths to seeing DK produce in year one. But I do think that some of the negatives that has been shown so far throughout the process are things that 
he can kind of work on and, and, and mold into positives as his career goes on. So he'd be my, my, my second pick or the eighth overall. I admit, I really, really now want to see him in the XFL with a jersey that says big, tall, fast guy on the yeah, back. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> the next he hate me. I, well, you're not going to see him in the A, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, never, I've never heard of this comp for him, but the more I think of it, the more I like it. He has a similarity of his game to Josh Gordon because Josh Gordon could not run a, rip, a route for his life depended on it. That yes. year that he got 1,400 yards in what was it? 12 touch, 1600 yards and 10 touchdowns. Yeah. And the guy could not run a route if his life depended on it. That was essentially you know, what, so. uh, that's essentially what new England asked him to do. He wasn't running complex routes for new England when he was right. there. They just said like, here, he you're a big dude. Just go. He was he very, very physical on his stint in new England too. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I look at it there. And DK is going to have to do that too. And you know, people get mad at us. The people who say that DK isn't, the wide receiver one as if I'm saying he's bad. I, I don't think that he can do more than what he does, but I think that's okay. You know, I I think what's going to happen is if I get to the point where Chris is at right now around the eighth pick and for whatever reason, DK's there, I'm going to take him. I'm going to hope he succeeds. I'm going to hope he flashes. I'm going to hope that he can miraculously run routes that he's never showed me. He could. And then I'm going to put the film in my group chat and say, Look, you fools, he can run routes now. <laughs> and I'm going to get rid of him. That's what I'm going to do. And I really like the player. I'd be excited right. to have him. But I'm going to look to get rid of him as soon as he shows I was wrong about him. Right. Yeah, maybe we are putting too much stock in the fact that he is not as flexible and stuff. If he gets with the quarterback that's willing to work with him, you know, and they uh-huh. basically run play, you know, playground scramble drills, you know, yeah. things like that, there, there's a route where he can still be successful. Yeah, you know, in the in the right offense, if he never does become a flexible, great route runner, watch well, Tampa you know? Bay draft him. Watch Tampa Bay draft him, and Twitter just melt. That would be amazing. But if you look at Nook, Nook, DeAndre Hopkins is a phenomenal route runner. But how often is he sent on hitches? Because he is so physical. I swear, you could call offensive pass interference on just about every single route DeAndre Hopkins runs. Most of them, yeah. If you just take DK and say you're going to run a go. And you're going to run a hitch. When you run a hitch, you're going to just demolish this person. It might be a little too obvious because he's huge, but I mean, you, he's going to use that physicality, and then I can see a path to him being as great as Jake says he is. <laughs> but now I'm up for the pick, and I'm going to take the guy that I had at running back one all the way until two days ago. I'm going to take David Montgomery off the board. I I think that he's probably the the safest picket running back because he's got the production to match the skill set. But I had to move Josh Jacobs ahead of him basically as an outlier to me, because if someone doesn't have their production, I don't really want to look at them because I'm a, I play the game of dynasty safe and I, I like sure things. And it's really tough to take a guy who wasn't even the leader and touches on his offense and say he's the running back one. But when you look at Josh Jacobs film, it's very, very impressive in a class that is not that impressive. So Josh Jacobs has become my running back one, but I would feel so comfortable with David Montgomery at the ninth pick overall. Uh, last year, he had 1,216 yards rushing, 13 rushing touchdowns, and he got over that 20-catch threshold, only 22. But the year before that, he had 36 receptions, 11 rushing touchdowns, 1,147 yards. Very, very solid running back. 
great size, very similar to Josh Jacobs. I actually thought Josh Jacobs was a bit bigger, but uh, David Montgomery's 5'10", 222, and Josh Jacobs 5'10", 220. So very similar. And they both didn't really exceed in the 40. So, you know, if you have to take Josh Jacobs at two and, you know, David Montgomery at nine, I'm happy getting David Montgomery at nine and, you know, missing out on Josh Jacobs at two. Oh, he'll definitely be the more affordable option, and he was going top four or five in every rookie draft, and now I see him sliding right down to nine, ten, and stuff. And yep. he's a popular place for him, seems to be Kansas City. I hear that a lot, which would be really interesting as well, because mm-hmm. he gets that comp to Kareem Hunt quite a bit as well. So Yes. Yeah. He's kind of smooth like him, and he's got the contact balance. Uh, Jake Anderson always wants to talk about uh, Kareem Hunt's contact balance, and it made me start paying attention to contacts ba- balance and running backs. So that's awesome because when I went to check out Montgomery, I mean, the guy really does bounce off people. So I could see that comp. Yeah. All right. So I'm up, at, I'm up at 10. I thought about completing the Iowa duo, but I'm going to take Andrew's boy, Debo Samuel, here. I love <laughs> it. Yes. He has worn on me. The more I watch of him, the more the I. The more you listen to me. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew will text me in the middle of the night, hey, Debo, and I'm like, dude, I'm sleeping. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't do that bad, but I, I came back, you know, and I, he's a guy that wasn't really on my radar too much. I knew he was there, but Andrew came back from Mobile at the Senior Bowl and was raving about him, and then I started watching more and more of him, and that week in practice, he was destroying people. He's just He's also another guy that's just very, very complete. Like, he does a lot of stuff really well, and if – I think he would be good on just about any team. There, a team with a good offense would be awesome as well. He just he does just you know he's like not great at anything, but he just does everything. You know, he catches, he separates, he's physical, he's he's quick. You know, he's not a, not he doesn't have that top end speed, but he can get by you. So Andy would tell you a lot more about him. I mean, he's basically written like a dissertation on him at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like you talked about Dwight. My my favorite Debo play is they're at the goal line and they're playing Clemson and they got blown out by Clemson, but Debo is playing hard the whole game. It wasn't Trayvon Mullen covering him. I can't remember who the corner was. Literally basically punches him in the mouth right at the goal line. And Debo just acts like nothing happened, does a quick slant, shakes him off, catches it, looks back at him, and just gives the ball to the ref. Like, really, that's the best you had for me. That is so, all. <laughs> That that was the player I was like, yep, I, I absolutely love him. He's my he's in my top five receivers. Um, talked about down of the Senior Bowl just for anyone that hasn't listened to us and only listens to you guys, which is a shame, by the way. Got to listen to the whole older Manual family. Um, down in Mobile, he was getting questioned about his injuries and questions about DeAndre Baker and just the tone he was giving was like, can we just get on the damn field and I can just get you all to shut up. I mean, and, and as soon as it happened later that day for practice, that's what happened. Hmm. So it was it was just incredible to see him. Like, there's so many times where you could see someone's like, they look like they're in the zone, they're ready to do whatever, and then they just shat their pants when it's time for it to be done. And Debo just owned Mobile that whole week. I, I absolutely loved him. I came back from there, like Dwight said, just my dissertation was being written on my flight home. So. <laughs> So what I wanted to ask you guys, since we've got a couple film watchers on here, I saw somebody talk about this the other day on Twitter, and I think it is actually worth giving like maybe a little tally to. 
do you guys ever pay attention to the dog factor in players? Because I don't know if it's just as a former football player that this matters, but players where I not now not boneheads. There's a big difference. Not players that just are throwing throwing hands every play, but just like you just said with Debo, the guy that can just get hit in the face, run that slant, look back at the guy. He's not going to fight him. He's not upset about it. He's just a dog. Does that matter to you guys on film? Does that bump players up to you? Oh, hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. That's why I'm, I'm really surprised that, you know, that TJ Hawkinson wasn't picked yet because he's got it. Oh, don't worry. He's gonna go. <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, you got those guys like that. I love that blue collar and you need that in the NFL. I mean, you're going to get knocked on your tail, you know, six out of 10 plays probably, especially as a rookie, but you just got to get up and make that play, you know, the get up, make the next play. You definitely got to have some dog in you, man. It's, you see it, you see plays like that, you know, and even if he didn't catch the ball, it's still nice to see him do that, you know, like get up in the face, you know, don't be afraid to get physical. So yeah. Oh, it's absolutely a fact, a factor to me. It's, and it's stood out to me a lot with these guys blocking these receivers, blocking um some people that are just if i see a guy on the opposite side of the field has nothing to do with the play just completely put their corner on their butt that's gotta go back in the memory bank i mean that just says so much about a player but that's gonna put andrew on the clock i already wrote your pick but i really want to hear about him so go ahead andrew he's my number one on the board overall i just submitted my rankings the nice happy hour i got my board ready um for now, I've still got some quarterback stuff to finalize, but TJ Hawkinson is the best offensive player in this draft. I don't care. Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, offensive line, TJ Hawkinson's going to be a stud. I, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing absolute in the NFL. We all know this, but I, I think he should be a top 10 pick. I want to – and you could write the narrative to why he would succeed and why he would fit not only the team, but the city, no matter where he goes. I was joking with Dwight. I I should be his agent because if he goes to Buffalo, I'm going to throw him into Bill's mafia with no sleeves on for his Jersey. He's going to be right there with the mustard and ketchup guy getting sprayed all over. And he'll just fit in with Bill's mafia. You throw him into Detroit. I'm going to send him to the assembly line for whatever car plant still open in Detroit and he'll be fitting in with the workers there, too. He's just nitty-gritty, blue-collar, Iowa, Midwestern to a T. And any team and any fan base will get behind him. You'd send him to Green Bay. He'll be in there with the cheeseheads, and he'll be perfect for them. Like I talked about with Dwight, it's going to be sub-zero sometimes he's going to play. He's going to have no gloves, no sleeves on. He's going to be perfect. Look, he's going to go to Miami. <laughs> he's going to go to Miami, and he's going to be with A-Rod sipping a pina colada on the beach. And he'll fit oh, in my God. So oh, you, send him, you send him to Seattle, he'll be Dr. McDreamy for Grey's Anatomy, and then later that day he'll be down at the fish market, market throwing some tuna around. I got it all figured out no matter where he goes. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from all that, and aside from all that, aside from all that, he's a damn good tight end. He's got yeah. great hands. He's a great blocker. He, yeah, he creates separation. He's really good at route running. I mean, I seen him line up in the backfield. You know, he's he's just very versatile. He's so much fun to watch, man. So much he, fun. He won the Mackey Award this year over Noah Fant. So not only do I think he's the better tight end, but people that vote on that award obviously think he's the better tight end. And because, and the biggest thing with that is his blocking. His blocking is going to keep him on the field for all three downs. 
And like I talked about with Buffalo, I think he'd be perfect there because they need that offensive line help. And I think if he somehow falls to somewhere like Houston, you talked about Chris, somewhere where they can get that extra blocking, he would fit in with that. Mm -hmm. And because he's going to be on the field for all three downs, that's something that receivers won't necessarily be their rookie years Mm -hmm. or even their first couple years. That's why he has a leg up, I think, for a lot of people, at least for me, on a lot of people, is because he's going to get that field time and he's going to get written into plays, whether it's him leading a block and then he's just going to extend the drive. That's going to give him more chances to be involved or he's going to be that red zone target or he's just going to be a guy across the middle that's going to get you a first down whenever you need it. I mean, he's going to be able to fit into whatever a team and an offense needs. And that's very important that you put that out there, Andrew, because there's a lot of dispute between what you want in a tight end. Uh, we talked about Fant earlier, and Dwight made the uh, the kind of – not the comp to Evan Ingram, but the situation to Evan Ingram, and you want the that receiving tight end. And you can put Evan Ingram out wide. You know, you can do a lot with Evan Ingram. It's very valuable. But on the other hand, when you go three tight end, Evan Ingram might not be one of those tight ends. I mean – He's Mm -hmm. probably a worse blocker than Fan, I would say. So you lose downs in that sense. So then there's the other side of the argument. Well, you got TJ Hawkinson that's never going to leave the field. Sure, he might be down and dirty blocking every play or some of the plays, but so is Gronk, you know? So I tend to lean opportunity overall. And the most opportunity is the guy that's always on the field. It might not be written up to uh, TJ Hawkinson. I would venture to say that TJ Hawkinson will get way less design plays than Noah Fant will. But the fact of the matter is TJ Hawkinson's going to be on the field when Noah Fant would not have been on the field. And there's that quick dump off that gets you, what, 15 yards? He's pretty good after after the catch as well. So I, I tend to lean TJ Hawkinson as well, Andrew. Yeah, and you talked about it with Gronk. I mean, Gronk made a Hall of Fame career out of just living in the middle yep. and blocking mm-hmm. when he needs to. Look at the Super Bowl this year. He really – he played – an ext- he was an extended tackle the whole game yep. until Brady needed a big play. It was like one of those got- three or four plays that really yeah. changed the entire game. He, he won that game for them with that mm-hmm. giant catch there at the end. So, yeah. no, it's – I love Hawkinson. I think it, tight ends, we have to be realistic with value. They aren't going to get on the top – unless it's a tight end premium, obviously. But um, I think second half of the first round, getting someone like Hawkinson or Fant, I think – phenomenal value gotcha mm-hmm. well chris i tried to jump uh jump ahead and write you down like i did for tj hawkinson but i honestly have no idea i hope you make me proud who you got all right so this is this is me going off on a limb here since it's the last pick and then oh, also Lord. i'm gonna actually go through this process here real quick for for the uh, for the final pick of this draft that means it's a bad pick if you gotta explain oh, it. oh yeah i know that's why i'm caveat beforehand <laughs> so uh, I would say that for this particular player, so it's going to be another wide receiver, I'm looking for, for me, I would be looking for upside here. I'm going to look for a player that while we've already talked about the uh, the great route runners, we've talked about the versatile players, we've talked about the athletic freaks already, um, just give me a guy that I th- that could possibly just wind up hitting me a, a home run, like maybe every other week or something like that. So uh, I'm going to do it, especially since we just found out today he ran a good 40 time at his pro day. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, JJ, Arthur Whiteside. Yes. I thought you were going to take Marquise Brown. I was going to lose it. But I I'm really happy. <laughs> I thought he was leading up too soon. Yeah, I'll, I'll as soon as he said the 40 time, I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take JJ at, at, at number 12. Yep. I, I do think that 
from a from a production standpoint and what he can do on the field, I think there's enough talent that he's been able to to display that uh, you could find some use for him in, in in his first year. Like I, but I do think that of all the wide receivers that we've discussed so far, he's probably going to be the most situation dependent uh, receiver out of the at least out of the ones we've discussed so far. Uh, because if not paired with the right quarterback, if not put in the right system, I think he needs like he needs some talent around him in order in order to succeed. So I'm thinking uh, I can't really think of the best landing spot for him right now at this particular point. But I do think, regardless, I think for the price relative to what I think he's he's capable of doing uh, in his in his first year and, and moving forward, because I think there's enough developmental talent there that you could see him start to improve in his sophomore and third year. Uh, I, I'd, I'd say that he'd be well worth uh, you know the end of the first round type of pick. I want him in Indianapolis personally. I oh, said that that'd be out. fun. Awesome. I wouldn't mind that. Um, actually, I'm, I'm thinking because I forget because he'll probably wind up being drafted what mid uh, mid second round, third round, maybe somewhere Late, there. Early second. Yeah, I mean, so let's see where else could we see him going? Chargers. I wouldn't yeah. mind that since they yeah, since they don't have Tyrell. Mike Williams, truthers are going to hate you, but yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Well, he's the type of guy. I think just get him somewhere, and, and he's yeah. going to get himself. He's going to get himself active. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley went to not obviously totally different players, but Calvin Ridley was a guy last year that I thought that if you just got him in an offense, I think he's going to find himself a nice little act, and he did. You know, Sanu was entrenched in that wide receiver two spot, and Calvin Ridley came right in and made an impact. I think JJ Arcega oh, yeah. will do that as well. He's yeah. who I was thinking when i said i hope you make me proud that's who i would think. <laughs> interesting right, that horrible teammate of his price love i was really concerned for a minute oh, oh gosh no so absolutely not somebody tweeted today that i thought interesting i i wish i remembered who it was but they said i was really thinking hard about taking jj arcega whiteside at 109 and they ended up taking someone else i forget who and they said it worked out because they got him at 209 oh yeah, that works out oh yeah now yeah. That was before the forty time, probably. Yeah, with the with the forty, uh, his price jumps. Now we'll go back up, but let's just hope that there's still residual left over because if he were right there with the rest of these guys the whole time, uh, I'd I'd probably be talking about him up near Harmon, um, Mm -hmm. probably over DK. So you know, hopefully the residual keeps him down and we can get him at those you know late first rounds. Um, But that's going to be it. Let me let me recap it real quick and then we'll get us out of here. I went Nikhil first overall. Dwight went Josh Jacobs second overall. Andrew got Miles Sanders third overall. Chris is Hakeem Butler fourth overall. Me again, I took A.J. Brown fifth. Dwight took Noah Fant sixth. Andrew took Kelvin Harmon seventh. Chris took D.K. Metcalf eight. Uh, I went with David Montgomery with my last pick at nine. Dwight at ten took Debo Samuel. Andrew at 11 took T.J. Hawkinson. And then Chris finished us off with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So that's going to conclude our show. Um, I appreciate quick, everybody. Uh, quick mm. question, though, for everybody uh, that's on here. Just real quick, if yeah. there's uh, – name one player that you would maybe add to this first-round list that maybe you didn't hear right. mentioned but you thought might you, you might want to see in the first round. Doesn't doesn't matter about value, but just give me a player. We'll just go in order of draft. So I, will, I would say – Paris Campbell is somebody who I would have discussed okay. adding to the first round. It's All right. Dwight. Dwight, who you got that, we, that we're not talking about should be in the first round? <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Hold on. 
<laughs> I'm like, I had to pull up my list again. I know. I just pulled out my list, and I'm like, uh, da- Daniel Jones. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> Drew Locke? No, 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 no. Um, yeah, that's yep. what I was just I was about to say. That. I think another one that could possibly is Darrell Henderson, depending on landing spot. Yeah. Um, I, li- I like a lot of what he what I see of him on tape. Um, I like to see him in a really good spot. So that's another name that could creep up in there. Um, yeah. That's Andrew next. Uh, for me, Devin Singletary out of Florida Atlantic. Didn't have the flashy numbers he did a year ago, but uh, I, I still think he's a very solid running back and he's going to contribute at the next level. Yeah. So are you thinking that the NFL is going to value him more than we are right now? And you think he might go earlier than we anticipate? I think he's going to go to a very nice spot. Mm-hmm. And that can jump him up to the first round. Obviously, if he goes somewhere like Philadelphia and he's going to be splitting the workload with Jordan Howard, then that affects his value. But with the right spot, Singletary should be deserving of a first round pick. Gotcha. And Chris, you're going to finish this off. Um, I'm just going to throw out Marquise Brown. Uh, I would just I want to find out. I need to watch a little bit more about him. I, I don't really think that he's just a player that I I want to learn more about because I think that his route running ability is just it's it's really good. I think he's solid, but I think with just his uh, what was it his his injuries and whatnot, I think that's, that's going to yeah. I think that's going to be a, a huge concern. So. I don't think that he's going to wind up being drafted in the first round, but he's just somebody that I'm keeping in the back of my mind, and I need to need to look into a bit more. My Chris, concern with you're in Cincinnati, Chris, you know John Ross. Come on now. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I should know yeah. better. I should know better. My thing with Marquise Brown is he weighs as much as my right thigh does. Yeah, but not until I'm done with the hibernation challenge. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> And now that'll conclude our show. I appreciate everybody listening. You can find me at AP Wildy. You can find the Dynasty Owners Manual family now on the DLF family of pods. And uh, I appreciate everybody listening. That's our mock. We probably won't do another show like that. Next week, we'll be back to interview style. And Chris will be the host. Woohoo! All right. So, Andrew, where can we find you on Twitter at? You can find me all over Twitter because apparently I'm committed to 10,000 things except my marriage if you ask my wife. But anyway, they can find me with my rankings going through the score crow. Um, I'll have my fantasy stuff going up once players land in their teams on Dynasty Happy Hour, obviously Debbie Happy Hour um, as well on there. And then, of course, we're going to be – we were talking about it last night with Dwight and I. We're really excited to get Debbie Owner's Manual back in the swing of things just because – this 2020 class and 2021 and there's a lot of good offense coming this way this year's got us starving that we're excited about players like dk metcalf but there's five receivers next year and probably three the year after that i would have over metcalf so we're really excited to get you guys to learn those names and value those picks and go from there that'll be great i'm definitely looking forward to it dwight where can we find you man at Twitter, I am FF People's Champ, uh, writing at DLF. I still tend to focus a little more on the defense, which is why I actually really like this draft this year. Like, if we could do a defensive draft, I would be so happy. But anyways, um, I am, yeah, just writing writing on DLF. I still have rankings up at DHH. I don't know if I can continue doing that yet, but we'll, we'll figure that out. I'm just, yeah, happy to be part of the community, man. Awesome, awesome. And uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. DLF, here we come. 
uh, owner's manual family is now infiltrated the DLF community, and we're, we're here to stay. So look for more content from from us, from Devi, uh, Best Ball Owner's Manual also on the way. So thank you, everybody, for coming in, and we'll catch you guys next week. 101, pick when it hits you, feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. We, we don't have a show sheet, so I don't know what to do without a show sheet. I'm lost. I'm, I'm so lost. I don't know what to do.